From the Detroit Free Press, I'm Tad Davis, and this is We Lived It. We Lived It is a special project produced by the Detroit Free Press in partnership with the Michigan History Center. The goal is to document stories of the pandemic for future generations, but also to bring us together while we live it. And this week is the story of David Reed and Monica Hickson. Monica lost her fiancé, David, in April of 2020. She told us her entire story. Here's Monica. My name is Monica Hickson. I'm from Ypsilanti, Michigan. I was born and raised in Detroit. His name is David Reed, and we met March of 2011. I met him at a local spot in Detroit called TV Lounge. We started off as friends. He wanted to date me. I didn't necessarily want to date him. He wasn't my type, as people would like to say, but he was just, he was so kind and he had an infectious smile. And uh, I said, oh, he's going to be a great friend or someone just to hang out with and go get tacos. After one of the parties, he went up to my girlfriend and said, why doesn't she like me? What's wrong with me? Why doesn't she like me? I'm a really good guy. I'm not like those other guys. But after a year, he kind of broke me down and uh, we were inseparable ever since. You didn't see one without the other. And it was rare if you did. And if you did see one of us without the other, it was like, where's Monica? Well, where's David? We were a pair. We made our decisions together. We traveled together. We cooked together, even though he was the better cook. We laughed together. We grocery shopped together. We were kind of adjoined at the hip. David loved what's called house music and techno music. Uh, We were a part of a large community in Detroit that just danced. And we went to the movement, we went to Sharivari, those are musical events or concerts. And he loved all types of music, uh, jazz, reggae, R&B, rock and roll, everything. He was just an amazing person and anybody who knew him loved him. It didn't take but a second to realize he had a kind and open and giving heart. When he proposed, it was definitely out of the blue, because it was like a normal night, or I thought it was a normal night. We lived in Ann Arbor at the time in an apartment, and then it was just like, put on something nice, and let's go out to dinner. And we just stumbled, I thought, on the Black Pearl. Little did I know it was planned all along. And he asked for a nice, comfortable booth towards the back. And we sat there, and he sat on one side, I sat on the other side, and he was looking in my eyes. And then he came and he sat next to me and he pulled out the ring and he was like, will you be my wife? I was totally shocked. I actually, I a little upset because I don't think I had really done my hair as best as I could or I had wanted to. And I was just, it was a pleasant surprise. That was 2017. You don't hear about these love stories often. And I always thought it was only uh, in the movies. But technically, uh, I guess not. I was, a, I was, I had a wonderful love story with him. And he brought the sunshine into my life. And that actually is one of our favorite songs. So we built a home about a year and a half ago from scratch. And we were standing in our living room and we were happy new year. This is going to be the best year of our lives. 10 days after he turned 60, we had a, a huge party for him. And I remember the feeling that he was, he just looked so happy and he looked like he was on top of the world and he had a glow in his eye. Then in March, we had heard about a virus. Um, March 
13th, I believe it was, there was a party and he went to the party. The next Monday, the following Monday, he said he had a tickle in his throat. Wednesday, he was like, I'm just not feeling as well as I had hoped. I'm kind of lethargic today. By Saturday, I took him to urgent care. So we walked in. They told me to go sit back in the car. And he went in. And about maybe 45 minutes to an hour later, he comes out. And he says, well, I don't have the flu. And at that point, my heart kind of kind of beeped once, but I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, I actually said, well, high five. You're going to be the first COVID survivor. And then he looks at me and he says, if I survive... And I'll never forget that. I think he knew he had more health challenges that he did not share. In my mind, he had just turned 60. And yeah, he had a couple of conditions, but I didn't think anything of it. So I'm like, you're silly. Why would you not survive? And um, the look in his eyes, I wish I had really comprehended at that point what that look was, but I did not. So we went home and um, he got progressively worse. That Monday, he was having trouble breathing, and I noticed it, and and I said, you can't breathe, can you? And he said, oh, I can breathe. And I'm like, that right there. Did you not hear yourself? And then I watched him as he slept, and as he was sleeping, he couldn't breathe. And watching that was painful. He also had a terrible fever. I've never seen anyone in my life Never, where I had to put ice packs on their head and on their chest, open up all the windows and turn on the ceiling fan. He was on fire. I've never touched anyone so hot. I took his temperature, it was 104. The last Thursday of March, he decided he would go to the doctor, and he did. I want to say March 27th, he went in, and he spent 21 days in St. Joseph's Hospital in Ypsilanti. The the one thing that bothers me and will always bother me is the fact that I just pulled up to the curb of the emergency. The nurses came out with the wheelchair and um, said, this is it. This is where you say your goodbyes. And we looked at each other and we said, oh no, see you later. And the look in his eyes was just different than I've ever seen before. He was worried, he was scared. They told me you can wait in the parking lot, but if you live close, it's probably best to go home. And um, at five o'clock, they said they had put him on a ventilator. I've never sat on pins and needles like I did that time. I never wish this on anyone, to be waiting by a phone, holding the phone in your hand, crying, waiting to hear if your fiance is dead or alive. Towards the end, like the last three or four days, it became very bleak. Those were the longest 21 days of my entire life. I was only able to talk to him the last two days. And mind you, he's on a ventilator, so he's listening. Um, I'm the one that's speaking. And I remember praying with him, talking with him, playing music for him, and... I woke up the very next morning. He died at 1.30 in the morning, April 14th. And I have to honestly say the sun doesn't shine as bright as it used to. I felt 
that I had support, but I also felt alone because I was unable to bury him. I was unable to have a ceremony, a funeral or anything. And I think people really don't understand that, yes, death is horrible regardless. But when you can't have that emotional support around you, things that you can't do, you can't see them for 21 days, you can't hold their hand when they make the transition. There's something to that. And it definitely gives you a void that you'll never get back. You'll, I'm never going to be able to go back in time and hold his hand and tell him, hey, I couldn't be here. I hope you understand. I could not be there. I wanted to, but I couldn't. And that haunts me to this day because you don't have that closure. You don't have, you didn't have the support that you could have had if things were normal, um, air quotes, normal. It's been 192 days, seven months. Um, I know that like I breathe. I actually, um, I've been journaling a lot. I have been praying, meditating, um, trying to understand and trying to process what has happened to me um, and what happened to him. I think about all of the victims of COVID. I think about their families. And I think it's important that people understand that it's not very helpful to say, I, I know exactly what you're going through because this is a special time in, 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 in history. You really don't know exactly. You can empathize as much as you want, but this is a different time. I have two forms of writing, some personal for myself in a journal, and then I've also written two articles for a website regarding David. They're all about David in different forms or fashion of exactly what happened um, in me dealing with it. There is no me without you a cliche that is often referred to when speaking about lovers. Looking at his pictures to find a time in my life that was incredible. And for some reason, I thought I had been the source of my own happiness. It was long after he died that I realized that I was not the one that made my life incredible and adventurous, but it was him. I never saw him in the end. So some days it's like, well, he's still here because I didn't see a body. I wasn't able to see a casket. So mentally you have to keep telling yourself he's no longer with me just because I never saw him in the end. Last time I saw him, he was in a wheelchair and I saw the back of his head. So th that's all I have. One thing I came to realize is that it's hard to get over something that we're still going through. How can you get over something when you turn on the news and you hear coronavirus, COVID-19, quarantine, masks? I cannot escape hearing about COVID and the victims. I can't watch the news. I can barely go outside because the masks remind me of how my fiance died. So again, it's hard to get over something when you're still going through it. When my mother died of cancer, the other C word, people surrounded me with warm smiles, pound cake, and spaghetti that someone brought over to comfort me during the time of my grief. When my fiance died, things were a little bit different. During a pandemic, 
and in the age of social distancing, the ones that could comfort you could only do a drive-by in a caravan of cars like a parade moving through a rural town. With people holding signs while they drove by slowly, saying, rest in peace, David, we love you. As members of my family slowly traveled down my suburban street to offer condolences to the man that I was supposed to spend the rest of my life with. A big thank you to Monica Hickson for sharing her story. We Lived It is reported and produced by Carrie Jr. II, Darcy Moran, and me, Tad Davis. Project materials are also supplied by the Michigan History Center, with special thanks to Mark Harvey. Our executive producers are Marianne Struman and Anjanette Delgado, and our editor is Peter Batia. Monica and David's song you heard at the beginning is called Into My Life by Elements of Life. Everybody has their own story to share about the COVID-19 pandemic. Submit yours by leaving a three-minute telling at 313-288-0370. And check out Freep.com to learn more.